Five-Year Mission, the podcast, episode 37. This episode of Five-Year Mission, the podcast is brought to you by Fansets, your home for all things pop culture pin related. Head over to fansets.com and see all that they have to offer. And also stay tuned at the end of the episode for a very special offer from us here at Five-Year Mission. By now you figured out that this is the Five-Year Mission podcast. Welcome to Five-Year Mission, the podcast, the only podcast hosted by a band called Five-Year Mission. And it has been a long road getting from there to here. So uh, tonight we're going to be the premiere of Star Trek Enterprise. And I got Mike and Chris with me to to join in on color commentary. What's up? Hi there. What's up? I think you might have cut out there for a second. So let's just, just to recap, we're going to be talking about Enterprise, the first episode of Enterprise. Broken Bow parts one and two. Yeah. Oh, I thought you froze because you were so still. I was like, not again. <laughs> nope, I'm not frozen. Okay. <laughs> Mike freezes all the time, but that's just because he's like a gargoyle. He just sits there and watches. I think that's the most accurate description of Mike I've ever heard. He's like a gargoyle. <laughs> he just sits there and watches. It's real awkward sometimes. <laughs> It is real awkward. Mark, quick, Mark. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Mike, quit gargoyling, and it just came out Mark. Mark. <laughs> oh, 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 Mike. Oh, Mike. Mark, Mark Flavor City over there. <laughs> this is starting off really really well <laughs> i'm here to write songs about star trek and guard the castle so anyway it's isn't it the 20th anniversary for enterprise this year 25th i believe oh 25th, 25th. okay 20th? 20th 20th oh it's the 25th 20th. anniversary of is the 20 is the 25th anniversary of the motion picture this year <laughs> yeah it came out in 1996 <laughs> shit go home andy i don't watch star trek I, I, i'd go back upstairs and you guys you guys wouldn't, wouldn't have to hear me if it's if it's the 25th anniversary mm. of any star trek movie it would be first contact i, I really anyway, truly am so it's it's the 20th anniversary <laughs> of star trek enterprise and we have all watched the first episode as andy noted what, what's it called Bo one and two broken broken Bo, Bo, one, one and two, and two. Yeah, so we watched that just to refresh. Uh, well, Mike watched a little bit of it. Andy watched it once, and then watched a you know twenty minute highlight reel. I watched it once. I'd seen we we we'd all all seen it before. So I've we're gonna do our best to give our five cents about it. I've seen it plenty of times. Oh yeah, I, I just recently like as as of as of last week restarted my Enterprise rewatch. So I'm like six episodes in right now. So. I got a, it's a little refresher. It's my second time seeing it because I've I've seen the the series one time. And you know what's funny is when I, the first time I watched it and that theme song came on, I thought, oh, Jesus. (laughs) And this time I watched it and I was like, oh, this song (laughs) takes me back (laughs) to the time I first watched it and found that I did actually enjoy this song. Yeah, we should probably get this discussion out of the way. Yeah, I'm actually a fan of the song. Uh, I was not the first time I heard it. Un- unlike the two of you, uh, I actually saw the first episode of Enterprise the day that it premiered in 2001. And the theme song was actually one of the reasons I I didn't keep watching the series when it originally <laughs> aired. Uh, I mean, I didn't. I, it, you know, It wasn't the only thing. I was just really busy at the time and life was, you know, super busy it was before i actually went through my uh star trek renaissance or whatever you call it um ooh, fancy i you know but i was a fan i've always been a fan of star trek but uh you know i i gave enterprise a chance you know it just didn't really pull me in enough to keep watching i think i watched like five or six episodes before i gave up but the song uh definitely kind of it was a shock for anyone who knew Star Trek and watched all the other shows. Well, it has lyrics. 
Yeah, it was not the normal Star Trek opening theme that you would expect. I wonder if that's just because a reflection of the time it came out. All the Possibly. other, all the other series were kind of orchestral, and uh, their theme songs were. And this one was more of like a pop song. Well, what what I've heard, what I've heard is, uh, it was either Rick Berman or Brandon Braga, one of the two, saw Patch Adams and heard the song, That's and right. li- and really liked it, and. They're they're the one who chose it to be the theme for the show. The song was in Patch Adams. It was it was in the end credits of Patch Adams. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, now you know the the song. The first time you hear it, it's almost sickening. You know, it's like, what is this stupid song? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what's what's funny is like, by the time you finish the series, you almost look forward to hearing it, like. You know, it becomes it, endearing. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I, I'll I'll sing along to it. Like I I enjoy the song. Yeah. Another little fun thing is that the the, the version that was in Patch Adams for that it was it was actually performed by Rod Stewart for the Patch Adams soundtrack. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, so that's why who called it a Rod uh, Rod Stewart song? Oh, that was in that was our last comedian, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Patrick Murray. Yeah. Patrick. He called it a rock story song. And, and, and he's correct. Yeah. Technically. (laughs) But then then it's Russell, Russell Watson for the show. Yeah. The song changes though, after the first season. Uh, In in the third season. Third season. Third season. Yeah. It becomes kind of. They kind of rock it up a little bit. Yeah. It gets more (laughs) rocked out. Yeah. Double time. They they add a little but, more like electric guitar and and a little more drums into it and make it a little more rock. It's a little faster, yeah. so yeah. Which which is yeah. the version that we play live whenever we we do the Enterprise theme song. I do think that it says something. If the show wasn't good, the song would definitely not encourage people to watch it. <laughs> but since the show is good, and you you know you see that song every time you watch an episode. It kind of becomes one with the episodes, I guess. And in the end, like I said, the first time I ever saw it, I just really thought it was a poop show. And I'm like, what is this? But then when I coming back, you know, I liked it by the end of the series and then coming back to it, it really was just like, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I want to listen to this. It's been a while, you know? (laughs) I I think the imagery that they show under the song really helps to feel something for the song itself. Yeah, you know, it, it kind of paints a picture of like not just Star Trek, but just humanity, and growing mm-hmm. from you know nothing into traveling through space. You mean getting from there to here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the song says. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there were. I mean, they, they weren't just whistling Dixie; they were rocking out some Dixie, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I when it, when I just did my started my rewatch, I have I have resisted the urge to hit skip intro every single time, just because I'm like, nope, I'm gonna get this stuck in my head and I'm gonna walk around the house humming it. So, no, it's it's getting stuck there. It's like it, I I take it I take it like a challenge. I think at some point when I'm watching it, when I watched it before, I grew to like the song, but then I would skip anyway just for the sake of time. time. You know, just getting yeah. through and getting to the to the uh, episode but then i think after a while well i think after a while you know maybe you skip it for a while but then you're like you know what i want to listen to it this time <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like let's bring it back for a few episodes like it's a dare so, yeah <laughs> uh, i i have to admit in the uh wa- the well a rewatch for me but the first watch for ashley uh we're, right now we're in uh season five of deep space nine and season three of voyager and uh in both shows we we skip the theme just because of how long they are because it saves time Mm -hmm. not that we don't love them but you know it's just i and and honestly like i'll skip those before i will skip the enterprise theme just because the enterprise theme is shorter than than those yeah i mean the deep space nine one is like two minutes long I mean, well, plus, uh, plus, at least with long. the inter- at, at least with the Enterprise theme song too, you can also sing along, <laughs> which which I made I made Kelsey watch it with me uh, last week, 
And as soon as she had never seen a single episode of Enterprise, knew nothing about Enterprise. And she like it got through the whole intro thing with the Klingon and the Sulaban and everything. And then the song started and I started mm-hmm. singing along and she goes, what fresh hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and then, and then I didn't even answer. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't, didn't stop singing. I just kept going and I was like, oh no, that's the Enterprise theme song at the very end. <laughs> and she goes, one question, why? That's a valid reaction. Oh, yeah, it's a valid totally. reaction for the first time, ever which here. is most people's reaction. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's very yeah. jarring if you've seen any other Star Trek, and you're like, "Wait, there's a sing along in the beginning? What is this?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we were in the '90s, maybe you know, it wouldn't it would make a whole lot of sense, but we're not anymore, so it just you know, it's confusing no. at first. Yeah, actually, the 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 version, uh, Rod Stewart's version from Patch Adams hit hit number sixty on the on the UK charts. Ooh. <laughs> And it's it's actually not not that different. So instead of talking about the theme song for the entire episode, <laughs> well, but, but let's we talk could about the episode. <laughs> we could clearly, clearly. Oh, so yeah, we get to see kind of the beginnings of uh, space travel. Everything. Yeah, because yeah, you get to see uh, Archer's dad start start developing like the the warp drive and everything, and when uh, kind of working hand in hand with Zephram Cochran. But then those don't fight the wind. Don't fight the wind, kids. Don't <laughs> fight it. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of neat kind of seeing like, uh, the, like I do enjoy that this whole first episode of Enterprise really kind of was like a little miniature movie where you get like backstory mm-hmm. and like, if obviously if you've watched Star Trek before, you already kind of know a lot of the backstory. Um, especially with like first contact, but uh, any other watched any other Star Trek, you kind of know, but then it's kind of neat to see it from the very beginning, see like the first ship from Starfleet going out on its first mission and everything. So it's pretty awesome. It's got warp, warp 4.5. Well, by, 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 by next Thursday. So I thought, I, I thought it was a really good way to set the stage and for the series, but also I thought it was really interesting that they chose to, make the Vulcan somewhat adversarial to the humans because up until that time, we knew that the Vulcans had helped humans had made first contact with humans and then helped Mm -hmm. them achieve more, uh, more extensive space travel. Yeah. But we didn't know that they were, that apparently they were holding them back and yeah, basically saying, well, you're not ready. And like, like the humans were children. So I thought that was really interesting. I really liked the way they, played the Vulcans um, and, and it's interesting how they developed further on in the series. Yeah. But that just that beginning taste, you're like, man, these guys, if, if that was the first series that you'd seen, mm-hmm. you would not like the Vulcans at all. Oh no. Now, no. To Paul obviously becomes more of someone who you look at as, okay, maybe she might be okay. Yeah. But uh, she's extremely sassy in this first episode. Very much so. Yeah, <laughs> she. Is. I mean, the, the the Vulcans are are yeah. overly smug. Like, I mean, they they were definitely driving mm-hmm. home that that point that we don't want you to like the Vulcans. Oh, so so so, so Val <laughs> yeah. is a giant jerk in this first episode. And matter of fact, I I love when he's kind of mm-hmm. having like the little argument with Archer, and he's like, "Oh, so ba- so basically, as soon as the Vulcans don't get their way, that's when you raise your voice." <laughs> <laughs> actually yeah. what's what's funny is that on on my notes uh for for that scene i did the, the, my only note is so Val gets pissy <laughs> <laughs> which is true because he was just being very very smug he was and i also really like the um the introduction of all the characters is really good except for um reed there's not much really to him yet no you don't really get a sense of who he is yet it's a great introduction of trip it shows how he and Archer already have a relationship and they're friends. Yeah. But I love Dr. Flox's uh, intro mm-hmm. because right away you like him. He's just this, yeah. I think it was a weird choice. The whole smile thing that they do, <laughs> um, you know, how they have him with that extended smile. The first time I saw it, I was like, what? And they, they only do it a couple times in the, yeah. in the series, I think. Yeah. They never, they never really did overdo that. So I, I was glad. I love that episode, and I think it's the fourth season where Flocks has 
face oh, blows like up the really fish big. Thing? Yeah, the puffer fish yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just like how it establishes that he is not your typical doctor. I like mm-hmm. that Archer sees that right away and sees, I mean, also he needed somebody and he didn't have any time and there was flocks. So that might have something to do with it. But I like that he establishes, you know, that he is unique and that, uh, you know, he brings all these biological organisms onto the ship, you know, right away, you know, he's got this like starfish looking leech that helps Archer when he gets shot. Right. It's just a really, you know, he's established as an interesting character right away. Like somebody that you haven't seen before. And I like that. Yeah. And he continues to be throughout the series. He's one of my favorite <clears throat> characters in the series. Because like the, I remember on, on Deep Space Nine, Bashir was always talking about how he wanted to be on Deep Space Nine to kind of like do practice like frontier medicine because he's like out in the Wild West type thing. Yeah. But like, but yeah. like with, um, with Flocks though, he truly was kind of still practicing that like kind of old school, like early version of like space medicine basically because he's just like he was just like oh so you did you got a you got a stomach ache let's do some cocaine about it type of thing (laughs) yeah (laughs) well but it doesn't have a you know that whole homeopathic feel to it you know it's yeah it's not like like, crystals or anything you know grant yeah it doesn't seem like grandma's home remedies It, it feels like he knows what he's doing and he has it he's you know traveled the stars to find these unique curatives that actually work and i think that's i i I think that's really interesting in his character because all the other doctors you ever saw they were all using medical experience that they gathered through starfleet you know Mm -hmm. it was all like basically human medicine and 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 instruments and everything and know-how yeah yeah so then you have this alien come in and he comes from a completely different background and it's just something we hadn't seen before. And I, I always really liked that about him. Yeah. Just through, 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 through like a medical exchange program. And then, and then Archer just has to be like, yeah. Hey, you, Hey, you, I liked you. You want a job? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so, I mean, at least, at least, at least it wasn't like a Neelix type. Yeah. One of the, the one of the other, the other cool, uh, another one of the cool things about uh, this first episode is we get like kind of the first look at uh, like the early transporters. And like everybody's still afraid of it, and they're mm-hmm. like, they're like, I'll I'll use it to send a box, but I'm not coming back inside out, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not getting in that thing. Yeah, that was a I I like that they did that, like it wasn't established yet. Refresh my memory because you guys have seen it more than I have. Do they use mm-hmm. the tran? I feel like they don't use the transporter as like a de facto transport uh, mechanism throughout the series. They no, it's it they, was, they, it, they use it more and more as the show goes, mm-hmm. but okay. definitely not in the first season. Yeah, it was it was typically just like in like in in case of emergency, activate transporter type thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, that's good that they had a um, kind of a, a gradual easing into it instead of just saying, "Oh, look, we transported Archer. It works. Let's all do this." <laughs> Everybody, hop in the transporter. Get your get, get <laughs> yeah, your molecules scrambled and reassembled. Yeah, because we could, we got to see the early transporters, and we also got to see like the early phasers too, which like. Yeah. People like like everybody mm-hmm. had to be like, are you trained on these things yet? It has a uh, settings for stun and kill. Let's just make sure it's on stun. Yeah, <laughs> they were so big and bulky too, and they had like put like a cartridge in and everything. And it's like, yeah, man, they really were going old school. It's like a whole like it's like a six shooter kind of situation almost. <laughs> well, and they had before when they sw- when they pulled those out at the beginning or when they first pulled those out, they traded out their they look like laser pistols <laughs> you know? yeah. these like old clunky laser pistols and they had the 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 phasers which i do like deliberately not making making them look like guns mm-hmm. was on purpose in the you know in the original series and so on yeah and so i like that they kind of reverted back to that kind of gun like look for an earlier series you know what was supposed to be an earlier series because that makes sense yeah yeah uh, that's one of the things I really liked about Enterprise. It, actually, in the beginning, I didn't like it because it, a lot of people had this reaction back when it first came out that everything looked more advanced than the original series. They always are going to say that with each new series anyway. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, Enterprise does a really good job of, of setting everything you know, in continuity with the other shows. And... Really, I mean, I, I know the original series was made in the 60s, so, you know, what can you do? 
but yeah. it, but but they do a good job of like say of making it seem like well this could have developed into this other thing that they're using mm-hmm. you know a hundred years later um i i like that the the phasers they they also kind of look like an earlier version of the uh tos phasers yeah, yeah, yeah. like it was a, it was like a like the beginning of like a natural progression to like what mm-hmm. we eventually got to with like just like the especially the ones on yeah. next gen that just looked like a garage door opener i feel like the people that nitpick the look of the show because you know like enterprise it's supposed to happen before the original series mm-hmm. but you can't really make it look cheaper than the original series you know right I mean, exactly yeah, you have to you have to be you know but i do find it interesting that and i don't this is probably on purpose too but the bridge of the of the enterprise uh on enterprise it's the nx1 is that what yeah yeah the, the, the nx01 it is the bridge looks so cramped like all of the yeah. other bridges that you you know voyager uh you know the other enterprise versions of the enterprise they're like these open like rounded you know bridges and this is just like it looks like somebody's closet you know it's 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 really i I, i'm sure that they did that on purpose but it's just really interesting Mm -hmm. that they completely broke away from the way they had styled all the ships before and the outside of the ship has kind of the same feel as the others but then Mm -hmm. on the inside it's completely different yeah, the, the 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 bridge of the NX01 kind of reminded me a little bit. I think they might have taken kind of a nod to uh, the, the the Defiance bridge on Deep Space Nine because it's mm-hmm. a little more compact and it's like it's like this is for work. Mm-hmm. We're not out okay. here. We're not out not out here doing like activities or anything like that. So we don't need all this room. Basically, it's like <laughs> workstation, 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 and that's it. Maybe yeah. maybe a little bit of room to stand up in front of the view screen and pace back and forth as you're answering questions about poop from grade schoolers <laughs> which chris do you do, do you remember that it's a, it, it's it's actually a, like a like a, a few episodes few episodes yeah, later later in like, the first season yeah they get like letters from from like an elementary yeah. school back on earth and they're answering questions and then one of them is uh, uh like yeah. where where, where does familiar. the waste go yeah and then they pause and <laughs> it's like uh why don't i have a trip take this question and he like pauses and he goes really <laughs> uh, and his exact line is a poop question sir <laughs> still one of my favorite lines from the series yeah i think i do remember that i think that the only person that we haven't or the only major character we haven't mentioned is hoshi yes right? yeah or, who was actually uh, i don't think we mentioned next travis nope try travis or hoshi yeah. oh yeah that's right that's right. So they have Travis has a relatively small part in the beginning. Um, yeah, he establishes himself as a good pilot, but that's about it. And but 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 we we also still get backstory on him though. That he's a, a boomer. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. It's cool that he's. Um, I mean, he grew up in space, so mm-hmm. he's basically i mean he's used to it and he has that moment with trip where he shows him like the sweet spot in the ship which oh is, yeah where you know just zero grav yeah just a shout out to his knowledge i i find interesting that the trip is a an engineer who designs these kinds of ships and and knows all the parts inside and out and he doesn't know what the sweet spot is yeah this weird yeah, little well, anomaly on his own ship i i think geez mike just let it happen. He's probably just being nice to Travis in that moment. Like, oh, I don't know what that is. Well, he to to be fair, to be fair, uh, he also uh, had had not really taken it out in space like that, like in warp. So I'm not sure if like the sweet spot would exist until they like got out to deep space. Maybe that's just a maybe theory. it's one of those things that you don't you don't plan for. It just kind of happens, and so that's why he wouldn't know. There you about go. It. I don't think Fark knows how space works. <laughs> i don't think you know how space works i don't think any of us know how yeah. <laughs> hoshi. hoshi clearly clearly they're setting her up to be you know the translator <laughs> yeah because they have the klingon on the ship and it's so this is one beef that i had with the show kind of is that she is so good at learning a language that no one has ever heard before mm-hmm that it's almost too easy and it's a i mean it's a little nit but it's 
I remember watching it the first time. I was like, that was fast. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they didn't make it very hard for her, which I thought was it kind of was borderline silly, but I understand why they did it. So, you know, they get a pass. They only have so much time they can uh, yeah. spend I think there are, there are other episodes um, where she had a harder time with languages. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so easy. There are, yeah. But they, I like how they set that up. Um, she's a likable character. Yeah. Uh, you know, she has a, an, she clearly has a rapport with Archer already. Mm-hmm. So that's, they do a good job setting, setting up the characters, which is really what the first episode is about that and the story. So let's talk about the story. What's going on in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> so basically the, there's a Klingon that lands on earth and he's being chased around by an unknown race yet. Because, I mean, obviously we recognize Klingons right away, but yeah. we had, we'd we never seen the Sulaban before. And so they're right. chasing him around. And In the world of Enterprise, none of the humans knew who knew what a Klingon was either. A Klingon. Trip calls Klingot. it. Klingon. A yeah. Klingon, yes. Yeah, so they didn't know what a Klingon was. The Vulcans did, but all they, you know, they say they're a warlock, warlike race, and that's all they say. Yeah. And so... You know, they have a, a deal of measured caution around and they're in fact they say that you know when the Klingon is injured, they're like, Well, we should just let him die because yeah. that's the Klingon way, you know. Mm-hmm. So they understand Klingons, but not they understand them, but they don't understand them, basically, which right. is interesting to find, you know, from the Vulcans. Yeah, they um, they basically have like have like the the cliffs the cliffs notes on on Klingons. Right. It's like this is what so we, we know learn about them, but we learn a little bit about Klingon, the Sulaban, which we find out later they're called Sulaban. They attack the Klingon. They're trying to take him. And uh, you get the sense over the episode that it's there's something sinister going down with the Sulaban. And mm-hmm. they, it has something to do with time travel and that sort of thing. They don't, I mean, you don't learn anything in this episode except for the Sulaban are, some of them are bad and they've been yeah. genetically engineered. And uh, so, they some have some of pretty freaky powers. Figured. Yeah. Right. Some have chose, chosen not to be. And they're after this Klingon guy because he knows something. Yeah. He has a, he has a message to, 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 to take back to take back to his home world. You know, in, in that opening yeah. scene, is, is that Klingon barking at that farmer? Yeah. It seemed like he was just going up, 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 up. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, like wait, bro. Raw, 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 raw. Like yeah. yeah, he didn't he didn't differentiate anything in that first like barking sentence of his. Yeah. <laughs> like, it didn't even sound like Klingon. It just sounded like it was barking. It should be noticed no, noted that uh the Klingon is tiny lister. Yep. Good old Debo. So that's fun. I, I forgot about that and I was watching I'm like, is that tiny? <laughs> that is that is Debo and the 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 farmer with that with that weird pulse shotgun thing knocked him the f out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they, so anyway, the the Enterprise basically, their Archer argues that they they not let him die and that they actually take this Klingon back to Kronos. Yeah. So that I I don't he doesn't really there's not really a reason. He just basically I think really his reason is. He wants to just get out and get his ship off of Earth and finally take it out. And this gives him the opportunity. There's that plus that plus they 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 establish that they have no way to actually contact Kronos from from Earth. So that so they can't communicate with yeah. his home planet to be like, hey, come come get your boy. We're we're Earth. Hi, how yeah. are you? Because yeah. <laughs> I because I because I was apparently 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 there's there's no word for Earth yet in Klingon or thank you. Right. Or thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, they, they take the Klingon and then hijinks ensue. You know, they meet the they, they go after. Well, the, the Sulaban attack the Enterprise. And yeah, since they, they can turn invisible, conveniently enough, they kidnap the Klingon and then the Enterprise has to go on a rescue mission, much to T'Pol's dismay. <laughs> yeah, they have, to, they have to figure out how to track the Sulaban ship, too. So they got to start working together and that's where to paul i think in part you know what in part i think a lot of this episode was establishing who to paul was going to be because mm-hmm. in the beginning she's this naysaying vulcan who thinks the humans aren't ready and by the end yeah. of the episode 
she is kind of coming around a little. She's still, she wants to stay on the ship. Mm-hmm. I think she's after trip say or trip after Archer saves her life. I think she starts oh, yeah. to look at them a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she doesn't, you know, fall out right away and she continues to be kind of a thorn in Archer's side. But I think the way they develop that to me, it felt, it felt real, you know, it didn't feel like they were just forcing it, you know, right. it felt like she's not, it was like Spock when he wasn't showing, when he was showing emotions, but not, you mm-hmm. know, but uh, ignoring that, you know, <laughs> it's like, she's doing the same thing. She has these thoughts about what maybe the humans are that she ha- that are different from what she thought. Yeah. And she's not fully embracing that, but she's not fully denying it either. No, there's and the, the, one of the nice things about the development of, of Paul just throughout this episode is that she just starts starts off like real standoffish and just like just like uh humans and then kind of by the end of it she's it's not like she does like a complete 180 and she's like yeah, yeah i like the humans now it's like yeah these guys are okay yeah. but i'm still gonna you know keep them all at like an arm's length and you know i'm not gonna be you know a hundred percent yet with these guys but you know right. i i can see i can see where they they have the possibility of being decent beings so there was one kind of abrupt moment though, where Trip was arguing with her after they after they left. They they went and they found the Klingon. Mm-hmm. What was his name? Like it wasn't Clang. It was it wasn't Core, but it was Clang. Clang. So they went and they found Clang, and they rescued him. But Archer got stuck on this station, where the you know Sulaban station, Sulaban disco office. Yeah, right. <laughs> and they're flying away, and Trip's like, Well, aren't we going to get the captain? She's like, No, we're not going to do that. And then they start <laughs> arguing. And then, you know, it goes back, it cuts back to Archer, you know, because she's like, Well, we're not going to do that. Cuts back to Archer, and he's doing stuff. Then it cuts back to the Enterprise, and they're coming back to get him. It's like, What happened <laughs> in between Trip and, and to Paul arguing and to Paul being like, All right, let's let's do it your way? I mean, when, yeah. when did that? Ep- how did you how did you see that coming (laughs) so i thought that was a little weird um i chalked that up to there must have been a longer conversation that we didn't that we weren't privy to but really it seemed like trip was getting yeah well it seemed like trip was getting through to her but you never really saw the point where she was you know she was on board and then all of a sudden it it was and it was implied and, yeah and then so i thought that that was a little jarring but beyond that i thought you know it was a for for her it was a pretty good transition because from then on she's still a little um aggressive but not but it doesn't it doesn't seem out of place it was kind of it was just weird that you know that the, the turnaround happened so quickly but the great thing about this and just entire episode, especially as like a series premiere, was that we got a ton of backstory about like like almost every single character. Like, but like you said earlier, we didn't get a ton on Malcolm, mm-hmm. except he's a little bit surly, <laughs> and that's about it. Um, but yeah, it's a it, it's it was neat to actually see like character development just within like the first episode already, and that's a giant yeah. plus. The one one thing going back to Hoshi just for just for a second though, um, I had the I I always have subtitles on on Netflix because I'm old and I can't hear from <laughs> playing playing punk rock for way way too damn long, um, so I had the 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 closed captions on and when she was still down on the planet and she's like teaching that class with the whole thing, <laughs> yeah. the subtitles say uh, Hoshi teaching Klingon. And I was like, nah. and then it like, and then it like the next scene with Archer still on the planet, she was like, Klingons. And I was like, wait, okay. Yeah. I have a feeling that this, the subtitles must, must be messed up because now I want to see it on like the official like DVD release, just to see if the subtitles still say Hoshi speaking Klingon yeah. in that little scene. Cause I was like, no, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do. Um, I also like the way, you know, speaking of character development, I do like the way they tie in Archer's father having basically built this drive, you know, that drives the ship. 
for years and, and years not being able yeah and not surviving to see see it uh see its maiden voyage and it's kind of archer's you know it, it's it's his legacy mission in life to to yeah it's his legacy to, to thanks mike <laughs> it's his legacy <laughs> to to be able to uh captain the ship and and make his father's dream a reality and so, you know, in the beginning, you can see the emotion and the importance of that to him. So I, I think that was cool. I liked it. I like how they did that. And okay, okay. One thing one thing I wanted to mention, do you think they based that weird base on <laughs> Rigel on uh on like Moss Eisley? Because it was kind of like the whole hot like hive of scum and villainy thing. Yeah, it's it's uh it's very similar to that, yes. It seemed like it. Yeah, because I mean they they had like the weird strip show with the the two the the the, the pink thing yeah. and the blue thing eating the weird butterflies mm-hmm. and like Malcolm yeah. <laughs> Malcolm and Travis are both like ooh what's this weird show of these half naked beings yeah. eating butterflies live on stage with this weird <laughs> music in the background are those really butterflies <laughs> Yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of a thing in science fiction though whenever they go to some you know scoundrel planet or dive bar bar it always looks exactly the same you know it's it's because they got it right in star wars and there's no need to to (laughs) exactly yeah so the the sulaban are the the new newly introduced villains Mm-hmm. As far as Star Trek mm-hmm. is concerned, we'd never seen them yeah. before. And the first time, the first time you see them, they're scooting under a door like a piece of paper, <laughs> which more more like a pancake. Yeah, yeah. It was this. The effects were okay, but it's, yeah, I, yeah. I, I just remember when I first saw it, I'm like, what is what is going on here but i do that that part was not very subtle no but when archer is fighting the sulaban when he gets into the you know time cabinet or whatever it was and he's fighting that guy and he's trying to get the gun and he like flips his arm around you know it's like he's got the jelly arm and he flips it around and grab the phaser that was kind of cool you know little little subtle subtleties like that are cool you know sliding under the door was a little silly what i really enjoyed was that apparently only one of those sulaban in the opening scene could turn himself into a pancake because he slid under the door and then goes in and unlocks it and opens it for the other one i was like okay so apparently they get to kind of pick and choose this like a like a like an a la carte cart thing where it's like i want that power and that power that's kind of what it seems like when they were talking about it you know you had because uh, you know, I can't remember her name. I think it was Saren Sulaban. Saren, yeah, something like that. Something like that. She's chosen not to become enhanced, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the others, I just get the impression that there are, you know, you can kind of choose what. Oops, you can kind of choose what powers you have. I mean, I, I can't. Yeah. Uh, when Fox is looking at the Sulaban in his lab, and I, he's like can't remember what he calls it you know the how the he shines that light or whatever and they kind of glow the skin and he oh, marvels yeah. at it and when he's talking about that i just got the impression that there were other things you know some of them can turn invisible and some of them can slide under doors and some of them probably have x-ray vision i don't know he, well because he, he also point, pointed out the pupils too which were like i can't remember the exact word yeah. that he used he called them something pupils but apparently like enhances their vision bunch of irises or something yeah. yeah or mm-hmm. uh ret- like multi-retinal or something like that <laughs> but they're they're interesting characters they look kind of scaly almost mm-hmm. um you know what you, you, you know you know but you, you know what their, their skin texture reminded me of do you do you remember floam it was kind of along the lines of uh, slime it was it, maybe it, it was made by nickelodeon too but it's just basically all these like tiny little like it looks like styrofoam balls but they all stuck together somehow and like that's what their skin reminds me of. Yeah. Well, and so Saren, I guess, or whatever her name was. Yeah. She said she wasn't. She hadn't been enhanced or something. Mm-hmm. But she looks when we first see her, she looks human. And then she changed. Is that was that? Did she have that power, or was I she think... just like using an image enhancer or something? 
They never explained that. No, no. I mean, it was, it was obviously some pretty decent special effects for the time again, but you That's, know, they'd maybe the Suliban have the ability, have abilities already that were enhanced, possibly. you know, like they could, yeah, they're virtual chameleons, but maybe they can't turn invisible. Maybe that's the reason that Future Guy chose that race. Oh yeah, because like I said, it's it's kind of like a yeah. like like a, like it's an already work in progress almost. And you could like I could add this to it. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, she's she's the character that uh, Melinda Clark plays, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of the, the spy, basically, more mm-hmm. or less, like the basically like the the leader of like the the Maquis version of the of the the Suliban. <laughs> or the Suliban version of the Maquis. Sorry, I got that backwards. Oh, can we talk about Archer Archer's logs, real quick? <laughs> you mean is where he's ta- he's talking, he's doing his ship's log, and he's like pause, and then he keeps talking, yeah. and then he goes back to his log, and then he pauses, and he's talking to the dog. It's like, who are you yeah. talking to, man? <laughs> no, that's the, 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 I I thought thought it was so hilarious. It's like, is this the reason you brought Porthos into space? Is so you can kind of like have like uh, like somebody to bounce ideas off of that aren't really going to talk back <laughs> well at first at first i thought that he was still recording a log but it was no longer official it was like here's the official log let's pause that and let's go yeah. to a non-official log just so i can Side remember log. what i'm talking about and then let's go back but then it shows it cuts to the dog and he's like asking porthos questions i'm like <laughs> he's this isn't he's not recording this is he <laughs> No, yeah, but, so I mean this. Interesting. This, this is like the the twenty two fifties or whatever, right? So mm-hmm. maybe Porthos, mm-hmm. maybe there's like a dog human communicator, and we just you know throughout the series we just never actually and they just never mention it. <laughs> Porthos talking. That's not canon. That's not true. I wish it was, but so know. does he continue to do that throughout the series when he does his yes. larger just in the first episode? No, okay. he can, he, can, he continues. It's it's yeah. not super often, but yeah. I know he talks to the Porthos, but mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, it was just I. It was one of those things. I'm glad you mentioned it because it was one of those things that stood out. I was like, okay, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> especially especially we're while doing that now, huh? Especially while he's eating a cheese plate in his, in his quarters. <laughs> was it? Was yeah. it? Was it? Was that in the pilot? Like, am I? Because because in one scene he's he's eating because, a cheese plate and giving Porthos pieces of cheddar. Well, I feel like. Um, to Paul comes in and they argue and then he asks her if she wants a cheese or something. Yeah. And she's like, no, thank you. I, I, I know I can't be making this up. And plus to Paul and all Vulcans do not eat food with their hands. So they don't eat with the food with their hands, nor do they no. eat food that. Well, they're, they're all vegetarian. Animal. Yeah. 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 Which, which of course that always, that, 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 that always makes makes my kids happy to to realize that Vulcans are vegetarians or like <laughs> like us, Dad, because they're logical. I do like that scene where they're having dinner and she's cutting the breadstick, like the hard bread, you know, the crispy breadstick, and she just you know patiently cuts through and cu- that was nicely done. Like she's trying to make yeah. a point. She proves her was, point. That was that was nicely done. With patience comes reward. I, I would like to say that the steaks yeah. in that scene look delicious. <laughs> they weren't from Denny's, though, Mike. You, you wouldn't have liked them. I can't really, I can't really eat steak anymore. You know, Me we either. don't, we don't, we hardly ever eat, we hardly ever eat meat anymore. I mean, we eat chicken, but we don't eat beef anymore. Good job, Chris. It doesn't, it doesn't sit well with my belly. But also, you know, I mean. It's not great for the environment either. So, you know. No. But I'll eat them hogs, man. Pork. Mm-mm. Speaking of walking away, uh, the little showdown between uh, the one Suliban and Archer in like in the uh, in the Suliban disco room. Mm-hmm. D- did, did you guys catch his little like six Suliban burn to Archer? I don't know what you're talking about. As they're as as they're fighting. Uh, so during that last. Um, little battle between Archer and the Suliban, uh, the Suliban is like tosses out a sick Suliban burn and says, you know that you humans, your genome is the closest to that of an ape. And I was like, Ooh, oh yeah, dude, we, we learned all about this in school, dummy. You're sick not telling burn. us anything new, <laughs> but yeah, that was a pretty dumb fight, but it was, it was kind of nice that they let, uh, let, let, let Archer also have the weird acid trip so he could see the phaser fire coming. 
and dodge out of the way. Once they got out of the slow-mo room, it was a real fight. But yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, so yeah, once they leave there, they go on their happy way back to Kronos and deliver Clang, who's finally back up and on his feet and feeling better and everything. And he kind of finally realizes what's going on after he was speaking gibberish to Hoshi earlier on in the episode. And uh, they're like, hey, your guy was almost dead. We brought him back. But, you know, here he is. And they're like, ah, it's no honor. He's you should have <laughs> let him die. And then like the, the Klingon's like, no, these guys were honorable. They saved me. Uh, they they they're helping us out. Here's the message I was supposed to bring, which I couldn't have brought if I had died. So you're welcome. But he doesn't know how to say thank you. No, oh, well, probably, or, or you're welcome either. It's probably more of a yeah. here, good, and that's pretty much the exchange. <laughs> probably, that was exactly what he was saying in Klingon. Most likely, but Hoshi it, says you don't want to know. Yeah, that's right. Because she knows Klingon so well at this point that right. even the nuances of Klingon are easy for she, her. She's that good. Well, luckily enough, at, by that point, I kind of believed she had learned Klingon a little bit better because they had, what, it was like like 70 hours or something like that to Kronos, and they'd also gone on the little side adventures and stuff. So she'd been able... Around the clock, you say? Just well, she, the- she, she, well she'd, she'd also been able to get a better sampling of the Klingon language by just him ranting and raving about... Uh, boots and his ugly wife mm-hmm. and stuff and so like i always noticed that like when she's trying to translate she was like let me just get a few more words and let them just keep them talking and then she's just feeding into this translator she's like i got it apparently that's how those translators worked back then they only need a couple of syllables and then they know the whole language right it's pretty impressive it is impressive that's that's our hoshi little babble fox babble fox babble fish in a box Wow. Or Bubble Fox, whatever. <laughs> so I got to say, my impression of the first episode is a good one, and it makes me want to watch more. And I remember when I first watched it, it was the same. I mean, it, it kept my, it held my interest throughout. You know, I was, it had exciting parts. It was, it developed characters, especially as a Star Trek fan. I'm thinking, okay, good. Because I think yeah. Enterprise gets a bad rap a lot of times, especially because of its, the way it was snug, like the ending was so bad. Oh God. Yeah. And it just was handled so poorly. And so I think the, but the beginning I think is actually a pretty solid start. And, yeah. uh, you know, it makes, it makes you want to go to the next, see, see what happens next. It's, it's definitely one of the better, uh, like first episodes of Trek. I think, I think like the, the first episode of discovery and the first episode of enterprise are probably the two most solid beginnings to like, like, a, like a Star Trek series, honestly. Well, okay. And, and lower decks. <laughs> uh, I, I will, um, boldly go ahead and say okay. that I think that the enterprise premiere <laughs> is probably the best of all of the Trek series. You know, okay. it's, uh, I mean, the the other ones are mostly good. Um, mostly. I mean, obviously, Encounter at Farpoint has a lot of issues. It's pretty slow. And the, you know, the even though we love those characters and the actors, like, you know, the acting is very wooden. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, Data, I mean, you know, Brent Spiner is like overacting in that episode. Uh, I think Picard's probably the only one that's even kind of an okay you know, example of the character. Everyone else is just so like, just still figuring it out. But you know, I mean, the other shows, Emissary is a good premiere, um, mm-hmm. but it, it kind of suffers from a bit of the same as an Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah. Um, I think that Voyager's opening is a decent one, but Enterprises is better than that. Yeah. And so I mean, I think in I mean, you can't really count that any of the TOS, any of the three that you know whichever one you want to say is the, <laughs> yeah. the first episode. Right. Um, I mean, you know, they're, they're, they're good episodes, but they're not good premieres. And I, no. I think that, uh, I think the enterprise, I, I think broken bow really sets the series up. It introduces the characters, the, the acting, the effects, everything is really good. Um, I just think it's probably the best of all of them are broken. But yeah, it's a good episode. I I agree, Mike. Yeah, I think it was. I think it's one of the better Star Trek introductions of mm-hmm. Star Trek series. There's a Absolutely. lot of good character development. Um, you know, you meet 
you meet everybody and you get a sense of who everybody, you know, especially the, the major players, you know, I mentioned, you know, Reed and, and, uh, Travis, what's Anthony Montgomery's? Yeah. Travis. Travis Reed and Travis don't get a, yeah. Reed and Travis don't get a lot of development, but they don't really get a lot of development throughout the series. You know, they don't become as important characters as, you know, like trip or Hoshi or Fox or it's So I think it's appropriate. Yeah. Or Paul or Archer. I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to name everybody. <laughs> Literally everyone else has a bigger storyline. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah. I think it's okay that, uh, you know, even, even in the picture behind you, you know, uh, Reed is like way back there. I mean, he's yeah. practically b- blending into the background except for his head. Yeah. It's cause he is, you know, a production photo. <clears throat> Although my favorite episode, one of my favorite episodes is the one where Trip and, uh, Reed are, Stranded, oh, in that. stranded in the ship and they're shuttle pod drinking. one in the yep. ship yeah sh- yeah shuttle pod one <laughs> oh but we you know what we haven't talked about and we we talked about it before we got started the de- decontamination scene I mean, oh, what Lord. is up with that <laughs> that's just because berman thought that sex sold so well and this was wasn't that right after they came back from rescuing the klingon believe so yeah was that so why were those the only two in decontamination i mean wasn't well, anybody else with them i mean what about the klingon they just didn't they the say that day? they were exposed to something while they were out yeah. there that the others weren't and they yeah. Were- oh yeah okay they're like they, they checked out here R- rub this gel that's coming yeah. to you through this tiny door hey rub, rub this goo ju- just inside of her panties <laughs> yeah it was like what is well and the the funny thing was the best part about that scene is it was so intentionally sexual without the characters oh, yeah. being sexual at all it, it was yeah. awkward <laughs> it was like so what? many weird close really... close-ups of boobs behind tank tops and like uh, like trips abs <laughs> children close your ears but what is going on i mean was T'Pol rubbing ice on her nipples? Because, <laughs> I mean, seriously, what was going on there? I mean, it was so intentional. Oh, absolutely. So intentional. It, it was ridiculous. And, and uh, speaking as someone who watched it the night it premiered, that was super awkward then. Like, uh-huh. it wasn't even like, hey, this is hot. And then, like, <laughs> later weird. you realize that it's not. No, I, oh. it, it, like, everyone was uncomfortable <laughs> watching this. Like, why is this happening on my TV screen? And it wasn't even the last time there was a freaking decontamination scene either. They're like, you know what? You know what was hot in that no. first episode? When they're rubbing goo on each other. Let's do that again in, in different pairings this time. We got to see everybody half naked. If you haven't seen this episode, basically you have Trip and T'Pol and they go into this blue room and strip down to their underpants and rub goo on each other (laughs) because they're decontaminating and this goo is apparently a decontaminant. I don't know. I don't know why they... I don't know the science, but I know they had to... There's a lot about it that doesn't make sense, except for you know the production was like, you know what we got to do in this first episode? sexy time oh yeah but let's not make it too sexy have you seen that actress they hired to play the vulcan we gotta rub some goo on that one (laughs) (laughs) we gotta get her naked first episode day one day one son so yeah it's an awkward scene i mean the thing is they could have made it non-awkward and they could have just been sitting there you know and you know the producers know this. They could have just been sitting there having this conversation or doing something. Having goo sprayed on them like a like a tanning booth. Right. It's bizarre. It's so a bizarre dumb. scene. It's very and can I mean, can you imagine being the actors doing this? Yeah, I had like I, okay. Just, Next it's just time a strange it, thing. Next time we run into uh God, what's his what, what's Tripp's name? The yeah, next time, next time we that we, we, we run into Connor at a, at a convention, we need to ask him. Okay, how many times did you guys? How many takes did it take to do that awkward D- decom scene in the season, the series premiere? <laughs> Just because I wanted, I want to see if it's like, oh, I was like, I want it done. 
I'm sure he's never been asked that question before. Yeah. Oh, he's I probably, guarantee he's probably never asked been asked about that scene. <laughs> I just want to know how many takes. And, <laughs> and also to let him know, yes, it, it, it was as awkward for us as it was for you, I'm sure. Hey, Florida man, did you like rubbing the goo? Florida man. My sister still lives in Florida. Not anymore. <laughs> Spice laser took it out. <laughs> but oh, that's, yeah, that's for later, another episode. Yeah, that's for a much later Space episode. Space laser. But it's like the mini Death Star. miss getting new content from five-year mission you should head over to patreon.com slash five-year mission and check out our patreon page as a patron of the band you will receive access to rare and behind the scenes pictures and videos and other cool stuff you will also have early access to many things like video releases or new songs you can sign up for different levels from ensign all the way up to admiral one of the perks of being an admiral on five-year missions patreon is that you get to be a producer on this podcast Currently, our producers are Neil Carpenter, Helen Lake, Debbie Rinke, Carol Jones, Becky and Roxy, Steve and Frankie Palopoli, Madison Rachel Jones, and Jim Morehouse. Your name could be on this list if you sign up as an admiral. So head over to patreon.com slash five-year mission now. That's the number five-year mission. Sets.com is your home for all things pop culture pin related. I know I say it every single time, but it definitely is. Remember, order some fandanglers. I just wanted to say fandanglers at the top of the ad read just because I still love saying the word fandanglers. Oh, brand new coming out for you. Uh, we got a pre order for uh, Captain Pike's Enterprise pin from Star Trek Discovery, uh, as well as the All Good Things Picard emblem, uh, magnet, and button back. So, yeah, you best of both worlds on that one. Ooh, another Star Trek reference right there. On top of that, uh, they got brand new releases from Rick and Morty, but the big one this month is the Star Trek 2021 Anniversary Pin Collection. Uh, it came out on June 1st, celebrating 55 years of Star Trek. It, it is a multi-pin set. 55 years of Star Trek. It's the 35th anniversary of Star Trek V, 30th anniversary of Star Trek IV, 25 years since First Contact came out, 20 years since Star Trek Enterprise, and the 5th year of Star Trek Beyond. Order all five, and you also get a free pin to go along with that. So head on over to fansets.com, put a bunch of stuff in your cart and enter the code five year mission that is the number five all caps year mission five year mission get 10 percent off your entire order fan sets our pins have character and we thank the men over at fan sets and the women and everybody else that works over there for sponsoring our podcast well i think that wraps up our conversation regarding episode one of star trek enterprise we're not going to keep on going because discovering trek currently is going through a complete enterprise rewatch here on the trek geeks network so if you're big into enterprise go over and check out the last few episodes of discovering trek they're going episode by episode on a rewatch and discussing every single one of them individually so basically this episode just bit off their premiere episode <laughs> suck it theme song nice <laughs> wait no let's not do let's not do theme song yet since i'm gonna give first crack at editing this thing so i want mike to just give us a few bars of the enterprise theme song before i hit the five-year mission podcast in music here all right oh boy and a one and a two and a one two three it's been a long road Getting from there to here. Cue the music. It's been a long time. I said cue the music, me. time is finally near. I got to get better at editing. I can feel my dream come alive at last. Where's this button? I'm still learning this whole system. You're not going to hold me down no more. How do I just delete? (laughs) Computer, delete, delete log. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fiverr Mission Podcast. 
If any of you are interested in listening to more of our music, you can check us out on YouTube or Spotify or iTunes or pretty much anywhere that you can listen to music. Just search for Five Year Mission and we should be the first thing that comes up. If you would like to contact us in regards to the podcast or anything else that you want to talk to us about, you can email us at fiveyearmissionband at gmail.com. And for more information about the band, you can go to fiveyearmission.net and also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 